This is Body Talk, where we explore your inner universe. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Body Talk. It's me, David Lasondak, author, structural integrator, fascia specialist. And before we get to this week's episode, I just want to send a thank you out to each and every one of you. Thank you, 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 thank you. Okay, this is going to take too long. But last week, we got over 10,000 listens. And that is spectacular. I started this podcast about six months ago. And over 10,000 listens. I'm just over the moon about that. And uh, if you're a regular listener, and you haven't left a review yet, uh, wherever you get your podcasts, please do so. Like one listener who said, when I listen to Body Talk, uh, I like to have a big glass of wine because I feel like I'm having an amazing conversation at a cocktail party. Uh, that was part of a larger review, but I just love that line. Thank you so much for a listener who left three hearts and three slices of pizza. I mean, how much better does that get? And you can always go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com backslash body talk radio and become a patron of the show be very, very grateful for that. So with that said, and hey, remember, share it with your friends, share it with your clients, share it with your patient. You hear a particular episode that you think hits a sweet spot for someone that you know, go ahead and pass that one on. And right now, let's get to today's episode. Welcome to Body Talk, and my guest today is the one and only Sandy Fritz. Now, for some of you who may not have heard of Sandy, you've certainly heard of her work. She founded the Health Enrichment Center in Lapeer, Michigan back in 1984. This was, at the time and still, one of the most extensive massage therapy schools in the country. She has also authored or co-authored at least, I think, 10 textbooks, if I'm not mistaken. Welcome to the show, Sandy. Well, thanks for having me. And I can't pretend Sandy and I actually know each other because she is involved with me on the ICMT project, the International Consortium of Manual Therapies. Exactly. And, you know, we uh, actually have an intertwined history. It's fun how that sometimes happens for many years where we have been in the same place at the same time, which so it's kind of fun. But you were responsible uh, through your wife you shared with me uh, about reaching out to me to get involved with the International Consortium. And I um I was very intrigued because I've been active uh, within the massage therapy community for 40 years. Uh, and I have had a passion for being able to communicate effectively and writing textbooks, uh, especially entry-level textbooks, really puts that in my face all of the time about what name am I going to put on this method or technique? Because it feels like everybody 
does a lot of the same stuff, but they put different names on it. So nobody knows what they're doing. I mean, yeah, I, it kind of gets in the way more than it helps. Don't you think? Yeah, it does. And when I was on the road a lot, doing a lot of workshop teaching, um, I was fortunate enough to be mentored by Dr. Leon Chadow and, um, uh, for over 25 years, you know, huge influence on me. Um, and I would, I would teach with him or if I was on my own and, and somebody would say to me, well, what do you think about this? Or how about that? Or, and I would have to have them show me, demonstrate it um, before I had a clue about what they were even talking about. And this ongoing renaming. Um, and then I get a little frustrated when people don't give credit or they think they've created something new or something. I, I see that a lot in the fascia world too these days. And I call that lemon lime syndrome. It's like, we're using a lime. They use lemons. You see the difference. You see the obvious superiority of the lime model, don't you? <laughs> and it's like, I don't know. I'm looking at two citrus fruits. Which one do you prefer? Yeah, doctor, that really bothered Dr. Chato. He really, you know, you can't take this and this and put it together and call it something brand new, you know, and uh, so that was instilled in me. But I, I also, at the very beginning of my career, that's when you just went from one workshop to the other, one guru to the other, whatever. That's kind of how it was back in the, yeah, for it was you, the like 70s that. and 80s, for me, yeah. the 90s and early aughts. Um, and, you know, so I can't, I don't want to think about the amount of money I spent going from one teacher to another and uh, gosh, you know, after about a year or so of that, I, I thought, huh, this is the same thing that so-and-so was doing, even though they call it something else. Oh. That was always hard for me with continuing education was like, where am I going to pick something that's actually something new, this not just a new name? You know, <laughs> <laughs> with increasing expertise. Yes. All right. Yes. There's fine. a... Mm -hmm their specialization um, where you uh, actually narrow your focus, not so much your methods, but you narrow your focus to the needs of a, a, a collective group that share similar outcomes. I shared with you that I've worked a lot with professional athletes, mm -hmm. not I'm an athlete by any shape or form, but I have to be an athlete to work on athletes. Yeah, I'm a good problem solver. And I'm, I'm really good at, at, you know, doing due diligence with the assessment and that sort of thing. But the skill set I use, I don't care what you call it. You, you, can, you only push or pull. And, and push and pull at the same time, I guess you can twist. Yeah, then Brian would say it's push, pull, and twist. Those are the three options. Yeah, and you know how you the the expertise comes with the intelligence and how you do that. Yes, and where and where next? And how long and for how uh, you know what intensity and so coming from the massage community for all these years, a lot of things have have happened unique to therapeutic massage in that 
uh, there's the same guru situation where people would start to have their method, you know, such Mm -hmm. as the Fritz method or whatever. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, and um, then we, we also got caught up in and still are in conflict around or tension. I don't say it's conflict, but there's a tension of, is it classical massage like like the swedish form which is very misunderstood or is it more of a, a culturally based system um, like lomi lomi that kind of thing or shiatsu or traditional chinese medicine or thai massage or any of those kinds of things we've we we took the basic push pull mm-hmm. and then we uh, maybe not ethically we appropriated we brought in a little mm-hmm. this, a little of that and some of the other stuff and um hey real quick but related you talk about everything's push or pull what about squeeze is squeeze different than push or pull push or a pull is when you if you push and pull at the same time you're squeezing because you're okay Okay. Okay. Yeah. No. That's that's okay. I, I buy that. I buy that. So it's mechanical. Back to the appropriation. Yeah. Well, the appropriation is is that you go and take a weekend workshop and say that you do time massage. Yeah. <laughs> Get really frustrated about that, but because um, that is a discipline, you know, you can't yes. take the method out of a discipline and say that you do the discipline. The method is they just push and pull too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. it's just a particular. It's a little bit like religion, isn't it? They push and pull this way. Catholics push and pull that way. Jewish people push and pull this other way. It's, it's and and if you if you take the you know flour and sugar and butter and vanilla is not is not a sugar cookie. So you mm-hmm. you can't yeah these culturally based system or the traditional or the classical massage usually called Swedish massage or myofascial release or neuromuscular therapy or any of these, any of that, there's still flour and sugar and, you know, now me put some cinnamon in it. Yeah. Yeah. And then we call that something else and put a trademark on the end of it. It's a snickerdoodle. It's not a sugar cookie. It's a snickerdoodle. And, you know, and you, you can't, you can't take, you can't take the cinnamon out of the cookie. You can't take the sugar out of it and have any respect or appreciation of the whole, but that's what we've done in massage. And I don't think we're the only ones. Yeah. Um, And then we, you know, we mix it together and then we got an oatmeal cookie or something. Um, so I, there's been a separation then. There's been all of the siloing. So, so when, now you, you have a perspective on this that is certainly one of the more unique ones because of your tremendous longevity. Um when did that siloing start to happen? When did you first start to see that and go, mm, I don't know about this? Oh, way in the beginning. 
So even like back in the 80s and the 70s. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it got worse when there was starting to be uh, a push towards some legal designations like licensure and mm -hmm. trying to define scope of practice. Um, yeah. Do you think some of that's just human nature? We all want to feel special in some way. So the more special we can make ourselves, it's not doesn't really have anything to do with the profession, but just humans. Oh yeah, I do. And I, and it speaks to the idea of professional identity. And so a lot of our continuing education providers within the massage community, they don't even say they're massage therapists, even though that is their covering license mm -hmm. uh, to practice. They'll say they're manual, uh, manual this or uh, muscle um, something, something. Well, didn't Dr. Cheta call it manual medicine, or at least that's what he was trying to get it called that, in England? He's an osteopath. Yeah. Well, he was an osteopath. We should point that out to the listeners. Yeah, he, yeah. And so, but he would say, he, he would say when he would teach her, you know, I mean, I had such a long relationship with him. He would always say to the massage world, he would say, massage therapy is manual therapy but it has its own levels of uniquenesses around it and, and accomplishes things that other forms of manual therapy may not. And it has to do with the, the uh, application of the push, pull and twist, right? Mm -hmm. And the, the environment and that sort of thing. And he said, don't ever lose that. Don't lose the essence of what makes your skill set so valuable even though you're doing a lot of the same things, the context with how you do that is very different than you would find with a physical therapist or a, an osteopathic physician or a physiotherapist or, you know, it's, there's, that, there's that appreciation of the experience of relaxation and um, not having to always fix something and mm -hmm. that really is what makes massage unique and a lot of people there's a personal identity in the massage world that I don't want to you know I don't do fluff and buff <laughs> you know if you want to get me angry say mm -hmm. that to me you know I do medical massage or I do I'm clinical I fix problems, you know, well, yes. I don't think so. See, I, <laughs> all right. All right. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to push back on that a little bit. So when I was in the early nineties, when I was like one of three massage therapists in Pittsburgh and the only guy for a long time, which um, is not an easy path, but <laughs> <laughs> it was not, but that's for a body talk after hours. Yeah. Subscribers only. <laughs> Um, but I, um, you know, I, I, did you know Earl Timberlake? Yes. Yes. Okay. So I, after my, um, my, uh, class, my community college classes, I really cut my clinical teeth, got my chops from working with Earl Timberlake. I loved his let's get into the anatomy and then let's find different ways that we can push, pull and twist in that anatomy because not everybody's going to respond the same way. So that's, that's where I got my clinical skills and called myself a clinical massage therapist because I thought that um, would kind of separate me from, from the pack. But, but I believed you could be deeply therapeutic and deeply relaxing 
simultaneously, that those things didn't have to exist in two different universes. They don't, they don't. And uh, I, I had a lot of, I, I got a lot of respect for Earl. He did, he's done yeah. a lot, a lot, a lot of good work. Um, and I think he embodied that idea that you don't have to uh, separate out and do this thing and this thing and this thing. You don't have to break the cookie back into all of its components so that you can pick out these two and you can be more special. Um, the, the interventions, I, I call these things interventions, mm -hmm. so massage Massage in and of itself, what we think of as a, a massage session is actually palpation and movement assessment. Yeah. Um, but it's done in a way that is, has uh, benefit in and of itself in the, in the rhythm, the uh, quiet application, you know, all that kind of stuff with it. That's not always there. So I get people up and down and all that to take a look at them and see if what I did made a difference. Um, but, you know, there is that idea of the foundational base of what we think of as a massage, but that's not mindless rubbing, right? No. Every time you touch that tissue, all the different depths and directions and poles and joint movements, that's all assessment that allows you then to narrow down and say, well, maybe if I just hold this just a little longer, or mm -hmm. it really doesn't want to go this way. Let me take it the way it wants yeah. to go and hold it there a little while. Yeah. And that, that you bring up something really interesting and, and you can tell me what, what you call this in your world, but it's almost like, okay, I'm going to say palpatory monitoring. Because there's the palpation that gives you the state of the tissue underneath your hands. But then as you begin to work with it, that palpation increases and changes as what's going on under your hands change. Yeah, that's how you know, you know, it, that, that, I mean, you can divide it into pre-assessment, intervention, post-assessment, mm -hmm. things that happens with expertise, you know, a master uses the simple stuff really good. Yeah. You know, it's not about all the fancy stuff. Um, and uh, it, it is that it's so subtle. It's so subtle that when you, you can't pick it out when you watch somebody. No. Yeah. It, because one thing just flows in and out of the other. Um, and massage therapy typically is performed over a hour-ish, sometimes a little less than that, sometimes a little bit more. Now, massage therapy is performed over uh, that time period. And that's one of the things that's unique is that we were, are with the client within that extended time frame so that we can very methodically, very, very uh, intuitively as well, you know, take that away. That's part of it too. Mm -hmm. Lift and move all the tissues. You know, and go, that's good. That's sliding. That's working. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a little sticky. So, yeah. yeah. And so it, let's, let's unstick that. You know, and then you just kind of give it a shake or you might give mm -hmm. it a pull or you might push on it and move it a little bit. Now, 
I just described five different named methods right there. And they are. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't have to. You don't have to. You know, but, but um, and then at the end of that hour-ish time frame, people get up off the table and they feel better and they move better. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to pick out exact. Well, what did you do? You know, and mm-hmm. say, well, you know, I just kind of pushed on it and pulled on it and. Most of it was working just fine. So I just said, hey, good job. <laughs> <laughs> and you fell asleep and I just started reading my book. No. Real methodical. But you, 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 you brought up the I word and, and I want to get your perspective on this. Uh, intuition and or intuitive, actually, you said uh, the intuitive quality of this. And I feel like that's a word rather like psychosomatic back in the 70s. Uh, The word intuitive has gotten a lot of baggage around it. And I'm wondering how that happened from your perspective. And is there a way we can rehab that word? Or is there a better word? To me, it's Mm -hmm. not what is intuition. And intuition isn't something that comes to you from the outside in. All right. It's not something out here that is guiding me in here. Intuition is my collective experience, my collective learning, all the clients I've had my hands on, all the wonderful teachers I have had, all their voices inside me, coupled with enough time for me to integrate that more into a whole so that I feel use into it when something is not like the other side. Yeah. All right. It's it's how did it, you know to go right there? Yeah. How did you how did you know that? I said, well I don't know. It, but, there, but there had to be a reason. There's an accumulation of, like you said, knowledge, experience, and there's just a sense of there. You know, and I teach entry-level students, so I have to step back and go, well, now, how did I know that? Because I'm never going to learn it if I can't explain it. So that's the mark of a good teacher. Yeah, I got to go back and I go, well, what did make me stop there? Well, it was sticky. You know, there was a little sweaty on the skin. Um... The person flinched a little bit when I touched that. Uh, the, uh, the breathing shifted when I touched that. Uh, there was a little hesitancy in the movement when I picked that arm up. Uh, it's not magic, you know, but it, it does become kind of seamless. Mm-hmm. Going, yeah. But if you're going to teach it to the next group, which is my passion, if you're going to pave the way for the next group to come forward, um, then I got to be able to break my process down enough so that they can learn through their own experiences, learn through observation, learn from reading, learn from looking at pictures, and, and most importantly, learn from every person they touch. You know, um, so that's intuition to me. Intuition bubbles up. People will say to me, well, why did you do that? And I'll say, I thought of it. That's why I did that. Well, why did I do, why did I, why did I shake that instead of pull it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
that's what came to my mind. But that didn't happen. That wasn't just gifted to me. No. And I, 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 I feel that way too. And I get, I get resentful when people, oh, well, that must have been a spirit guide in the room telling you where to go. It's like, no, I actually learned some facts and how to apply them. Um, but I, I employ that when I'm working with someone and I sort of have my game plan in my head when I'm treating somebody, but suddenly I just see, I just see myself working in this other place next. Yeah, it's almost like a little for me. It's almost like a little film clip of the next thing, and that maybe wasn't necessarily what my mental plan was. But suddenly, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, let me go next and let me try that next and see what happens. And it, I'm it's usually right anyway because I cover the whole body. Yeah. So you know, I'm I'm maybe in the left lumbar area, and maybe I saw a twitch in the right shoulder. You know, you can stick a myofascial train on that if you want to, you know, mm -hmm. I don't, maybe, you know. Um, so when I work my way around to the right shoulder, you know, if I'm working from that experiential base, you know, I'll, I'll be again in that zone, if you want to call it, which is not magical. No. Being in the zone, that's a psychological mm -hmm. state that we can get ourselves in. Yeah, whether you're an athlete, a musician, that's a therapist, right. yeah. All right. Um, then then I'm those pieces pull together for me during the session, but that doesn't happen right away. You you don't go you don't wake up one morning and have an intuitive process. I'll have a sense of intuition. Those are innate survival mechanisms, right? We all know if something smells a little funky that we probably shouldn't, you know, maybe something is dead and rotting over there. Yeah, and we should probably or, avoid you know, it. Yeah, you know, not eat it. We all have the, the sensory capacity to mm. what's going on in our outside world. Yeah, and I think I, I think in our the over-specialization of our cerebral cortex, we sometimes we aren't as aware of our other senses giving us information. It seems like it's coming from something spontaneously, but it's really just our survival mechanisms. Well, and I, I with uh, now, not with my entry level students, I give them the skills so that they can get there if they want to. But with advanced students, I'd work more specifically on believing what they feel. Mm. And what trusting, trusting their instincts yeah so they but then they get in their own way well i can't feel i can't feel it and i says it's because you're thinking you know stop that yeah. thinking. <laughs> <laughs> but that doesn't mean that doesn't mm -hmm. mean that the intuition isn't also guided by a real working understanding not knowledge a real understanding of anatomy and physiology and form and function and uh, compensation we're amazing creatures that we can compensate as much as we can yeah we really are that my goodness look at this person is crooked like this and they they've been and they're alive and they get up and they walk and they and they and then maybe they're supposed to be crooked <laughs> <laughs> maybe that works for them <laughs> thinking of a really bad joke about a tailor but i think we're i think we're gonna have to wait for that one maybe body talk will return after the break so 
So you're bringing a lot to bear with this accumulated knowledge experience into the ICMT project. I am. So, so what was it that ignited after all this time and made you say, yeah, I want to get involved here. This is important. Well, I had, all I had to do was talk to Dr. Brian. All right. So I knew mm-hmm. who you were. And when he reached out and got a hold of me, he says, you know, David said that. And I said, oh, yeah, OK, because I get asked to do a lot of stuff. I'm sure you do. In my little pond, I'm a great big fish. So um, I have to I, I have learned as I've matured that I have to pick and choose where I'm going to put my energy. Yeah. And so, um, and, and the ICTM is, uh, MT is not the only thing I have on my plate. So I had to make a real decision about whether or not this was something I could commit to. And uh, so I talked to Brian and I said to him, here's how I explain it with massage. And I said, so what we are essentially doing is applying a mechanical force. And and we're using our body somehow, or sometimes a tool to introduce this mechanical force. And when you, a mechanical force, it'll either move something or will change the shape of it if it can't move. Now, here's how we apply that mechanical force. We push and we pull. Um, And then in the massage world, we call that lots of different things. But essentially, it's gliding and kneading and, you know, pounding, you know, so we Mm -hmm. have our our methods of pulling, which are called a lot of different things. In the Swedish system, it might be called effleurage and petrissage and all that but if you look at what those words mean they mean gliding and kneading sliding and right so percussing you know paul stanley who has had a big influence on me who is also part of the me too yeah you know said i don't know what that means give me a word that i know what it means and so you can visualize what gliding is if you can describe what you're doing instead of having some you know, a theoretical name on it. And, and we just don't speak French anymore. Right. So. No, I think that's, I, I, I was telling Mike, I, you know, we should, we should take cues from astrophysics, which is really complicated stuff, but you know, their, their names for things are really simple. Hey, right. it's this, it's this, it's this big, it's this big uh, area where no light can escape and everything falls into it. What do we call it? Let's call it a black hole. Oh, that's easy. Yeah. There's so, a technique that we call ironing because that's what it looks like. And that's what it feels like. It feels like you're ironing it out. So why not just call it ironing? Why do we have to call it bilateral myofascial induction spreading technique therapy? You know, it's just ironing. And I would probably say it's a glide. Yeah. That, that type of language falls into more of a standardized language in physics. I mean, I, I can talk to a, uh, a carpenter. They understand exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. You know, That's what they do. You take, so, so these are the ways that we push and pull. And if you do them in combination, you can get a, a twist. And then 
Each of those methods can be modified. They can be combined. They can be fast or slow or uh, hard or soft, or they can go this way or that way. So there are all these modifiers that, you know, on how we're doing stuff. Um, I can go with the grain of a muscle or across it, or I can think of, of, of myofascial planes with Tom Myers, who I know, or I can think of uh, uh, fascial uh, grooves, or I mean, there's just, I can, I can think mm -hmm. of where the vessels are at, um, but that's it, you know? Now, why do I do that stuff? That's all I can do. I just gave it to you. This is all I can do. Some things then can be, I can take this method and I can use this modifier and I can then potentially target this physiological outcome. Mm -hmm. Just a little bit like higher math. It's still math though. Yeah, I, I can do. So let's say I want to glide. I want to glide one fascia layer on the other. Let's say I want to do that. Well, I don't want a lot of lubricant there because I'm slipping on the top layer. So I want to increase the friction. So I want to have more drag, but I want to target a particular layer to move on another one. So I got to hold one area down while I glide the other. Um, and uh, Brian understood exactly what I was talking about. Mm -hmm. Right. And so we actually had done some work with this in the massage therapy community. Uh, we there's a lot of grappling, lots of, uh, you know, arguing and everything. But out of it came something really good called the entry level analysis project for massage therapy in an attempt to develop an entry level curriculum and trying to find a way to embrace therapeutic massage as a whole practice um, as opposed to a collection of these different forms. So right. massage just means manipulation of soft tissue. All, many disciplines do that. Yeah. Um, but we have embraced that in what a, a, a approach uh, that takes all of those things, not just the Swedish massage or not just maybe some culturally based system. Um, we've taken the idea of manipulate soft tissue and we've included it into uh, what do our assessments look like and what is our scope of practice and what is the framework within how we do stuff and what is our dosing? What is our duration and how many times we see people? And, you know, is this a, a, are we trying to think of this as a curative form or is this more of a maintenance form? And, and uh, I don't, that's what the osteopaths do. That's what the chiropractors do. Yes. You know, mm -hmm. right. yeah. So um, now, so you and Brian spoke the same language, yeah, more or less. And so, what may, what are you hoping? What are you, what are you hoping to to do in terms of moving massage therapy into a different uh, scope, uh, or or refine that scope? Might be a better question by being involved uh, in the ICMT project. 
Well, I hope that we can share research. Okay. That's a big thing. And one of the big complaints we get from researchers is that even if there has been a piece of research done, the nomenclature, the terms are inconsistent and the protocols involved are, are either not reported mm -hmm. or these modifiers, how fast, how slow, what's the location, what's the depth of pressure, you know, though they're not described. Um, so I'm hoping that if we can break, you know, separate this down to where we all have a unique cookie that we can make, but we, we do need to identify what our ingredients are. And so all of us use a lot of flour, you know, that's, and that's a common element in a cookie or it doesn't have to be wheat flour. It could be almond flour, but there's, there's a binder, you know, yeah. and gluten-free preferably. You know, and it's, it's, there's usually a level of pleasure involved with that. So, you know, it's, uh, some sweetness or some saltiness or something that fits mm -hmm. in that. And there's a level of seasoning. Um, and, you know, hopefully it's good for you. You know, it's adding to your resilience and your homeostasis abilities and that sort of thing. So what I'm hoping for massage therapy specifically is, is that we can understand what we're doing better so that we can speak in terms of outcomes instead of methods and modalities. And there are four outcomes that we've got pretty good research evidence on, more on the evidence-informed, not the evidence-based, but okay. well-being, relaxation, good body of evidence there, Stress management, stress management yeah. where people are starting to feel distressed, you know, and they're maybe they're starting to get some symptomology. They're not sleeping very well or something like that, because whatever we do, it seems to intermingle with regulation of the autonomic nervous system or the neuroendocrine system or something. And they've been able to measure that with heart variability rates and, you know, so it's solid, it's pretty solid. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's evidence there for anxiety and, and less so for depression. Uh, and then there's uh, pain. Yeah. Mostly our benefit is with chronic, more chronic pain type experiences. But there is some evidence that shows that there's a little bit of mitigation with some acute pain situations like post-surgery or something. And then uh, mobility, functional movement. Now that's the one that's got the least evidence right there. Uh, action mm -hmm. is the what, what evidence does exist for that? Uh, it's there's some sort of general modulation in the, uh, the reflex mechanisms. Um, bounce, bounce, for example, tends to improve. Mm -hmm. um, there's uh, increased range of motion, which is obvious. It's, it's measurable, but is it, is it because the actual density of the tissue shifter changed or is it because the nervous system 
uh, is has uh, decreased tonus in a spot or is it just because you touched it and it feels good now so I'm not scared yeah, your attention to it in a way that was not that was beneficial so I'm not afraid to use it uh, but I do believe myself and one of the things where that the researchers that are trying to isolate with the ice uh, at the with the consortium uh, or the it's consortium international coal what are we you know? <laughs> we're, we're a united federation of body workers yeah um consortium consortium yeah. all right i was right the first time yeah you were um the that there is a biomechanical piece to this and yeah, yeah there has to be I, right all now, the science suggests that yeah, that that they are saying, no, 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 it's all the nervous system, it's all this, let's never all anything. And my goodness, we're touching, you know, you're, yeah. you're forming the tissue, that's biomechanical. Now, can you, can you twist something and not affect the fluid part of it? No. Can you pull on something and not affect the, the, the more plastic parts of this, the pliability? Mm -hmm. Yeah, along with the nervous system that's monitoring you, you what yeah. we do is, is touches it all. Well, yeah. there's there's a uh, there, there's a webinar happening next week uh, from the NCCIH, and it's about how can we design studies for complex systems like human beings, whole body. Yeah, it's hard. Studies. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how they try to unpack if, that. I, if, so, if somebody asked me to tease out what I did, I'm going to say, you know, what's a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I got a question, a specific research question here. Um, Cause you, you mentioned a number of things. And, and when it comes to any kind of manual therapy, this is the one that I always get hung up on. Uh, you mentioned dosing and dose response. I mean, it's not, to me, you can't measure a mechanical intervention in the same way you can measure a, a chemical uh, or pharmaceutical intervention by, by milliliters. How, how can you gauge a dose response in a manual therapy setting? What have you seen? What are your thoughts about that? Well, that's the challenge, isn't it? And still be effective. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the things they say about manual therapy. Well, it makes a temporary difference, but it doesn't last. Well, neither does medicine. <laughs> otherwise i wouldn't have to take it every morning or every evening or what is it thyroid pill every single day now okay you know um so sometimes we don't get uh a, a result that has statistical relevance because they're only doing something one time yeah you know, people ask me how often should i get a massage and massage is a maintenance system it's way, way better than it is a curative system. I don't know that anybody cures anything anyway. I, well, I take that back. I had open heart surgery 13 years ago. Okay. And the thoracic. You seem to be doing fine. Huh? You seem to be doing fine. Yeah, because I had a good plumber. There you go. All right. <laughs> and that was, it was a clog that could be fixed. Mm -hmm. and, and I've been, you know, declogged and there you go. Um, but most giving me a horrible idea for a business called Heart Plumbers LLC. <laughs> That's what it is. It's a <laughs> I had a tube that needed yep, to be yep. replaced, right? You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Uh, and uh, 
you know, and I monitor it on a regular basis to make sure that I don't plug up again, just like the hair that accumulates in your drain, you know, that can, that is an example of fixable, but that doesn't mean it won't happen again. Right. If you, if you keep putting hair down the drain, it's going to clog up again. Um, now, if you can, if you put some sort of drain cleaner down there regularly, some sort of maintenance kind of a thing, then you're not going to get the clog. So that's lifestyle and this and that and the other thing. Massage fits better there. Um, I, I think a lot of manual therapies fit better there. So when somebody says to me, how often should I get a massage? And I say, well, how often do you clean your house? Good answer. You know, um, how often do you do the dishes? How often do you keep, you know, so I said, well, so I'll tell you what the dosing studies we have do say for, for managing general condition management kinds of things. This is if there's an inflammatory condition going around, like an autoimmune thing or some sort of uh, discomfort with uh, movement, uh, it can pretty much be kept where it's not as troublesome to the individual uh, with a massage once a week mm -hmm. with some interface on, on their own, uh, some self-care on their own about every other week for the rest of your life. Just like if you got to take thyroid, you got to take it the rest of your life. Yeah. And you're not going to, you're not going to run your car 50,000 miles without changing the oil. You know, or I mean, my car has got 320 miles on it, 320,000 miles. Right. On it. You've changed the oils quite a lot on that car. Yeah. It's rusting out now on the bottom a little bit, but it's aren't still, we all, you know, that's right. Aren't we all? And so, um, the, so the dosing, I think we get into some trouble because this is not something you do once. Right. And I think that the idea of uh, selling it as 10 sessions and you're done or whatever, I think that might be able to maybe, you know, uh, unplug something for a little while, but if everything else around it doesn't change, it's going to come back. Yeah. Yeah. And well, that's, and so you're, you're, you're getting a little into structural integration territory here in terms of 10 sessions or less, or your Domino's pizza is free. Yeah, um, but, but what I find, what I find is that for, for, for most common muscular, chronic musculoskeletal imbalances, somewhere between eight to 12. And I, I'm not a hardcore, you have to do uh, you have to do all this. So for USI people listening right now, um, you know, I'm a dogma breaker. Um, actual mileage varies. Some people might be two or three visits because it really is just the shoulder that's stuck. And then they can go and do their chiropractic or do whatever the other things that they're doing. And they get more from that. Uh, something that's a bit more 
chronic, it's been going on for years, that's going to fit in the eight to 12, maybe 14, depending on the complexity, where it starts weekly, and then it becomes every other week, and then it becomes maybe come back in a month, and then it's like, okay, come back in three months, and then they get more from whatever else they're doing in that intervening time, and I'm a occasional, I'm a come back and see me when you get that feeling like this is the, this is this kind of, of issue. People who are a higher performance athlete type, and I mean that in all spectrums, not just professional right. uh, athletes making millions, but there's a lot of people who have very intensely physical jobs. They're going to come in more regular because that's just, you got to keep that Ferrari tuned high well, they if you're get- going to drive it around. You know, we all get messy. People ask me, well, what's wrong with them? I said, life. What's wrong? Particularly in the last year or so. Well, I mean, we we all have physical demand. We're supposed to get a good night's sleep. We're supposed to have enough nutrition so that we can repair ourselves, but we don't. That falls apart as we get older. It isn't as efficient as it was. Mm-hmm. And no, so we start to need a little bit of help. Um, and so some of these external things. Now, if you fall and you you know, uh, land on your tailbone and there's enough force there, that's a force to shove it out of the alignment on where it's supposed to be. And it, it can't just sort of pop itself back in where it belongs, then maybe two or three manipulation type maneuvers. Mm-hmm. Um, but at least not in massage that, you know, it's massage therapy is really about you can dust, but the dust starts to accumulate as soon as you dust it. Yeah. All right. That's fair. I like that. I like that analogy. So it's not going to not get dusty again. So let's keep it cleaned up. And the other thing with massage that we have that I think is a little unique to the other disciplines that I'm involved with, with the consortium, is that we don't necessarily have an intent to to fix. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, one of the athletic clients I had, you know, I kept saying to him, uh, if you would just do this in between sessions you know this and and they say i don't want to do that that's why i have you yes Mm -hmm. well there's nothing wrong with that no as long as it's clear on both sides yeah and if uh no i they can't come back at me and say it didn't work yeah it works you might have to come in more frequently yeah no, I had, I had that conversation today with someone with a torn meniscus and it's, you know, and, and it was that conversation of, okay, we did, you know, we did two interventions. Um, you didn't get the result you were hoping for, but you had a better experience uh, of your body, your legs with that torn meniscus and you're waiting two more months until you can get a Synbisc shot. So if coming in every other week between now and then helps you get through the next two months, that's good. As long as we're clear that that's what the goal is. Yeah. You know, that's not something I'm going to fix for you, but I can help you get through the next two months. You know, so I think that physical therapy, um, chiropractic, osteopathy, 
I don't think their origins were in quick fixes. I think the environment they're forced to work in right now, usually due to some reimbursement constraints, is that they can't just say, look, let, you know, let me be part of your, let this, this approach be part of how you keep yourself resilient. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't think uh, uh, the medical system is supportive of that. And that's why I don't, I want massage therapists, this is part of my goal with being involved. I want massage therapists to be able to become equal partners in the sense that they can work effectively with the same person. Now, our educational mm -hmm. level is vocational. That is very different than a doctorate level that you would have with a physical therapist, for example. Yes, it is. Or the DO, like Dr. Bryan is. Um, they are certainly set up because of the education to deal much more specifically with many more complex, nuanced issues. And their scope of practice is much broader. And they can finesse much more risky methods too. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, but that doesn't take away from, there's just something really to be said by, you know, um, pushing and pulling it all out and see what happens. You know, there's a very important part of that, but it's very time consuming. So it gets pushed off to the side. Whereas if in the integrated setting, massage therapists were partners with and supported is in a whole part of a care plan. Um, I, I think that the, the client patient would end up with a better result. I it agree with you. They and see us more. We're working, you know, we, this could be a whole nother podcast about the, the integrative medicine scenario. And, and believe me, I've seen a lot of different departments and they're not all the same and the skill sets and the, you know, some have more of a mind body approach. We have more of a body mind approach at the one I'm at, which suits me. It's nice. But having, having that multiplicity of approaches, including a good physician to ride herd over what's going on, it's a fantastic way to do medicine. Uh, and, um, you know, we have to ethically, we have to learn to stay in our lane. We, yep. need, we need to be able, now here gets down to the crux. We need to be able to communicate with other, people's on, other people on the team. And if I'm calling it one thing that you have no clue what I'm talking about, and I don't know what you're telling me, then we can't collaborate. And that's one of the things that excited me the most about this project too, is the idea of being able to forge a language that we can all understand. And massage therapists can still act autonomously in their, their uh, wellness arena, uh, and managing small, minor types of things. Um, we have the ability in our scope of practice and our licensing, where we're almost all the states are licensed now in the United States, uh, to do that. We don't all have to be engaged in an interdisciplinary clinic. 
But we still have to have massage therapists still have to get away from their flowerly language because if we are seeing the person regularly in the most, then we're the ones that are going to first identify that something is different. Mm -hmm. We don't diagnose, we don't prescribe it. What we're going to notice. Yeah, something's uh, off. And, and we need to be able to communicate that to them in a way they can understand it and not use a bunch of different crazy names. And that we either communicate to where we're referring. In massage therapy, we generally refer to their primary care physician, whoever that might be. But they need to understand what prompted that out of me. Right. What did I see? What did I notice? What made me go? I think you need to get this checked. And then if once it's checked, if it's something that can be easily remedied or there really isn't anything, you know, I really didn't identify something that was of concern, mm -hmm. uh, then they can, they can send back and uh, communicate to me and I know what they're talking about. And, and even more than that is, is um, a, a nomenclature, a terminology that can be used in our educational materials. Um, whether it is entry-level education in massage or it is an integrated uh, uh, healthcare class in a medical school where they're learning a little bit about massage so that they know when to refer back and forth. But we can't do that when we're sitting in silos with all of our language that, you know, I mean, most massage therapists can't even talk to each other. <laughs> That's a problem. You know? And so, so I'm I a massage therapist right now and I'm listening to this and I like what I'm hearing. What's, what's, uh, what would you say to them about wanting to get involved with um, what we're doing here with this project? I'm trying, you know, the first thing I want to say is, is grow up and get over ourselves. Okay. All right. Tough love there, but that's good. I like that. You know, and uh, embrace our professional identity and don't feel as if we uh, need to follow a particular uh, academic pathway track in order to be effective and important contributors within the wellness and uh, long-term care of individuals. Well said. And we, we, we need to be proud of the humbleness that we have in what we do. Um, and we need to appreciate what other caring professionals do that involve manual therapy. We need to realize that even though I might do the same thing that an osteopath does, they may be doing it from a perspective that is more refined than mine. Mm -hmm. um, and then I need to be able to understand, I still may be able to do the method, but I need to understand how it fits into the bigger world. Um, and I believe that the huge undertaking of this group is 
currently the very best chance for this to happen. And it's coming more from the ground up. It's a grassroots. It's, it's not a political thing. It's not about I'm better than you or you know more than I do. Or it is that. It's about here we all are. We all use our hands. And if we, can, if we can determine how we are more similar than different and we can talk to each other, just think of all the great things that can be done in this crazy, crazy society we're in right now. This global stress-filled society where we sit too much, you know, which we're not designed to do and, and all of that. And... Uh, Within the massage world, particular, we're we're swimming around within our organizational structures so much that we're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like if if this next step is going to happen, because we've talked about this before, and we I mentioned the ELAP project. We really I didn't have it's not my terminology that I. What's, what's the ELAP project? Entry level analysis project. That was oh, okay. Okay, I didn't. Yeah, I missed the acronym. Sorry. Yeah, um, the language that I put forth is not something Sandy Fritz developed. Mm-hmm. Um, what I did was explore it and understand the idea of force production and all that. I went back to the the engineering concepts and that sort of thing with it, which was more universal. Um, and uh, we can let go. We can let go of some of our culture without denying it. You know, yeah. people who want to use the Swedish form, they can still use the classical language that goes with that. But they also need to know another way of presenting that so somebody else can understand it. Yeah, and I don't think that's too much to ask. It isn't too much to ask. We are going to put links in the show notes to the ICMT project. We also have a webinar coming up on the 30th of October. We're going to give you 90 minutes. Uh, We're going to take you behind the scenes and show you how the sausage was made in putting the ICMT project together to the point that we have it now Uh, and then have about 30 minutes for questions from the participants. And there's no fee for that webinar. And we're going to have that link in the show notes as well. Sandy, anything you want to say before we sign off tonight? That this is a evolving project that the, the group of us that have come together behind the scenes to get us thus far, we're not telling you the way it should be. We're just bringing forth the beginnings of a project that we hope uh, from all the disciplines, we hope that others will be part of the solution to this problem and, and engage in the conversation. And that's exactly what we want. Sandy, thank you for engaging in this conversation with me today. And uh, we'll see you next time on Body Talk. Thanks for listening to another episode of Body Talk. Remember to support the show at patreon.com backslash body talk radio. Want to get in touch? Find me on social media or email me at bodytalkdavid 
at gmail.com. Remember to leave reviews wherever fine podcasts are found. And as always, the music you hear on the show is by David and the Disasters. See you next time on Body Talk.